How now, brown cow? Your ankle looks good. Okay. Would you say your ankle does? My uncle? Your cankle? His cankle. <laughs> Burton and a cankle. Sometimes I take this stuff and I put them as bloopers at the end. Yeah. One day I'm just going to intro the show <laughs> like that. <laughs> Cankles. <laughs> and we're live. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. My co-host today is the one and only Tony DeSero. What's up? And you brought a special guest with you today. I did. He's very special. He oh, is very special. Yes. Uh, introduce yeah. us to your friend. Um, this is my best friend, my brother, Brian D. Stout, also known as Brian Savage around here. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've been kind of wanting to do this for a long time. I, I, I watched the show myself. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, but it's been yeah. hard to align. You, you live in Florida, and it's a long way from here, so we managed to line it up, and here you are. So. Yeah, not to bring, uh, uh, you know, to be transparent, my mom had a heart attack. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, that's the reason I'm up here, but she's doing great. The good news there is, thank awesome. God, they, they brought her back. She actually uh, she died at the hospital. And they brought her back, and she's doing great as of tonight. She's actually complaining a little bit about, you know, I didn't make the bagel you know, <laughs> toasty enough. But, uh, no, I got home for a few days, took care of just uh, plenty of things to help mom and dad, and I uh, got a little free time, and I, I wanted to do this. So well, yeah, I'm very thanks. sorry for the circumstances, but I'm uh, glad me. we were able to line it up. You know, we've wanted to do this good. for a long time. Um, you know, one thing that, that uh, I Tony and I talked about uh, getting you on here is like you're a very well-rounded DJ with a lot of experience and <coughs> hey, hey hey check one two check one two hey 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 I have some recording difficulties but uh, sorry go ahead Yo, Tony turn up the mic. Um, so when I had when I had got to the club that night and Brian and I hit it off like he taught me the basics of mixing you know how phrase phrase to phrase because back then it was it was all top 40 and in, in R&B so you had your your 32 beats to mix you know I mean, sometimes less than that sometimes yeah. you only had yeah. an eight count you, but but you had to be able to bring it in at the right time sometimes you didn't even have the eight count sometimes it was a slam but mm -hmm. you had to know when to slam that record mm -hmm. at the right time in the right record and yeah. tony and, and back then it wasn't like there was a thousand records to choose from at the top 40 clubs <laughs> it was easy for me to say hey look at play these songs and do it at this time and, and do it this way and here's why and look here's why you change the tempo to here so you kind of brought the art of djing into where he he already had the mechanics down uh, not really not really even then he he did it all within like i would say so let's finish part of the story how it went he comes he hangs out with me at the club the first night i'm letting him do some mixes i'm letting him do his thing and i can just tell right away like this natural raw talent is going to be amazing i mean this guy's like already to me better than half the djs i hear around town and he literally is like playing in a club for his first time on some you know turntables and running it you know and i'm like okay like this guy's got some talent so i think i don't know if it was that night or the next night didn't i just offer you half of my money and half the job yeah i mean but <laughs> yeah it, yeah <laughs> He said, he I said, look back, <laughs> it wasn't the best business decision. I don't know. But, uh. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> but, I mean, you're also talking six nights a week. You know, like we were at Kamikaze Beach Club six nights a week, and which half of the nights, half of the week, 
there was maybe 50 people in the club where all we'd have to do is throw on a 45 minute mix, go play air <laughs> hockey, you know, go the over Ultimix and, and, 80s like rewind or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah, shout and, out DJ Second Nature. Yeah, right. Um, but um, that was really awesome. That you yeah, it was. That. It was. Um, yeah, he was on the show. Second Nature. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how my. My mixing. Do you remember how much money it was? I, I, I'm thinking back now. Do we even um, know? I want to say it was like a hundred bucks a night. Okay. So it was like seven hundred bucks a week that we split three hundred and fifty each or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just but back then, I mean, I do that, was, that now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it was for two guys to hang out, have a blast, and don't DJing. forget, don't yeah. forget, don't forget, free chicken strips. Yeah, and, and French fries. French fries. And and you know, two hours worth of air hockey, getting paid for, just sitting there. You know, yeah. it was pinball, whatever. It was good. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, but he learned though how to mix. He learned how to run a crowd. He learned um, what you should do in a club, as far as even I don't want to say even just the club business. It's as a DJ. Anyone who's ever been a DJ or worked in a nightclub, if you don't learn the nightclub business as the DJ, you're not going to last very long as the DJ there. Period. If you don't understand the relationship between like the whole service industry thing, the bartenders. The cocktail waitresses, the manager of the club, the people who come to the club, um, what they're asking for, what you should play compared to what the club owner wants to what is going to keep people in the club. There's so many dynamics that are involved. And if you just go in there thinking, I'm going to play what I play and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Now, listen, that's awesome if you're if the person hiring you knows that's what you do and that's a, and he knows that's the crowd that's coming. and He wants you to do that. That's one thing. But if it's the average I want to get my gear and I want to go play somewhere because that's the, the, the way it is today. It used to be you had nightclubs and that's the only way you got as a DJ to play anywhere. I know you still have them here in town, but as you know, most of the guys, it's what they're getting their gear and they're playing at some place where they clear out a few maybe tables. Yeah, and, and look, like some, some people are hiring you as a DJ for your DJ ego and some of them are hiring you for your DJ service and the key is knowing which one you are. Exactly. And very rarely are you going to get hired as the ego one. It just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, with your friends or your crew. <laughs> it's it's a <laughs> okay. bunch of us doing it for ourselves mostly. But, yeah. but, but there's the big names, yes. But for yeah. most of the average DJ who's wanting to do this and make money and be a DJ because they kind of go hand in hand, right? It's not just, oh, I just want to make money or I just I just want to be a cool DJ. When you hit the sweet spot, which is where you actually can get a little bit of revenue, even though it's not a lot, but enough to keep you DJing, that's when I think you hit the sweet spot. And so if you're trying to get that and you go to a restaurant or you go to a place where they say, hey, come on in and you know, we need a DJ for Tuesday night, you better learn the dynamics of it all if you want to do it right i think where did your interest for djing start because okay. did it start with radio yeah it did start with radio i was uh 18 years old in college and um, a fraternity brother of mine worked at a radio station and he brought me to the radio station i hung out there like a dweeb and tried to learn <laughs> as much as i could uh, I, I learned early that girls like to hang around radio station guys when it was cool this is when radio was cool you know <laughs> And uh, this is so. This is in the early '90s, and um, basically at that time, uh, I, I learned enough to get on the radio at, uh, as a freshman in college. And by the end of my freshman year in college, I was offered a full-time job at that same radio station. Uh, oddly enough, how did you move 
so quickly. I mean, you Love, were how old? I was uh, 19. 19. 19 years old. And, and you it just was a hit the ground running. 40 station in Toledo, 93Q. Um, wow. Again, I, I, it happened one night as, you know, listen, I say this to anybody. If you have a friend or you know someone in the business, just be a leech if you're if you can <laughs> if they let you leech you know try to be friends with them but if if you can learn as much as you can absorb uh as much as you can from them that's what i did i have fraternity brother who was at the radio station and he was working there and i and we were friends i said you know let me let me come hang out this weekend saturday night at three o'clock in the morning when you're on the radio and i'll i'll go in the production studio and i'll pretend like i'm on the radio and i'll record it and i'll you know do things like that to try to because I think this is cool. I'm studying communications at the University of Toledo, so I'm like, whoa, this is. So cool. you had access to all the toys. I had access to all the lights and the beeps and the boops and the. It was just so awesome. I mean, yeah, you know, it had to be. It's like the greatest stereo in the world, and you know, you're you're like, I mean, of course, just like anyone else of us, you had a parent who loved music and you know whatever. But I wasn't anyone special. I just got to hang out with all these lights and these slides and these these big. Uh, you know, reel to reel recorder, so I could just hit record on the reel to reel and just get on the mic, and you know, I could take the little voice processor, which was brand new back then, where I could make myself sound really, really high or really, really low. You know, just have fun and make instant cool radio things. voice. Oh <laughs> man, just having so much fun. And uh, one night, the the friend of mine, I guess I can say it, right, he got crabs, and I was his roommate too at this time. <laughs> Check this out. This is funny. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just telling you, look, man, it wasn't me. Hey, <laughs> hey, it wasn't me. Okay, Shaggy. So I basically, uh, so we're, weeks. We're, we're, we're hanging out and, he, you know, whatever, who, sorry, we were, whoever we're hanging out with, the, the, some girl he was with, whatever, you know, he got it. And I remember he's literally at the radio station. We're hanging out there and he's on the radio and I'm just next to him. And this is like at 1130 and the show's on at 12 and he's getting ready to go on a little bit. And he goes, Brian, come here brings me back and he and he and he shows me a freaking crab right oh my god <laughs> and i'm like you know what and he was like i can't work tonight i can't work tonight you got to go on the radio <laughs> oh my god so i said okay uh you know if i can do it so he calls the program director who i knew i because I, I was leached enough around where i'd kind of he was a younger guy I'd hung out and met him and he says uh all right, you, you're going on the. He goes, you're going on the night. He goes, put your tape on uh, in my desk in the morning. I want to hear it. I'm like, okay. So I get ready to go on the radio, and I wasn't. I was Brian Distout at the time, which is my name. And the guy says, you can't be Brian Distout. Like that's like the worst radio name ever. <laughs> I said, okay. And the big arena or the college hall was Savage Hall. And he goes, uh, you're Brian Savage. Okay. Said, Very cool. I said, okay. I uh, said, so uh, I went on the radio. I did the show and left the tape on with the program director. And uh, he said, all right, I'm going to give you weekend overnights. Like you're like the fill-in guy. I said, wow. You wow. Know, which was like mind boggling. Uh, you know, if I think about it now, I mean, it was way over my head. I mean, really it's way over my head, but if this you can push the button, Right, because back then it wasn't automated with all the. We're like nowadays on the radio, like as the DJ, it's all just like computers pretty much, and either you pre-record voice track it, or if you are live, it's like, oh, hold on, you know, slide it up <laughs> and then talk yeah. at the spot, and that's it. Well, you know, back then it was like you know you 
you pushed the songs, you know, in between. That's when you said dead air. Things were sloppy over one another because maybe the DJ was just lazy. That's, that's where this whole DJing idea came from. You know, was you were the guy in charge of doing all that stuff. It's, it's so awesome. You were doing all that, and so uh, which is exactly DJing. You were doing all that. You were timing. So yeah, that's a great point. I never thought about that. I was prepping myself to be a mixing DJ. It's a great point, David. I like that. That's really awesome. I never put those together. So that's what I was doing. I was making sure things were tight and I was really good at keeping things tight. So I think that was really more important to the program directors at the time than yeah. it was even what you said. It was like the show had to be right. The commercials had to run right in order. And so you used to have a stack of CDs or actually there were carts at the time. So you used to put the carts in. So we had, you had like a stack of carts, which you would you'd get your music log and you'd go to the big rack and you'd put your hours worth there. And then, you know, as you'd put them through, they would rotate and you'd, have to hit the sweepers in between it was like so much fun like i just it was a blast and i did enough to keep the job i stayed in radio got offered a full-time job there within a year so at night 20 years old i was full-time Damn. in radio mm-hmm. and that was that akron or toledo toledo, toledo. Ohio. and then i laugh so now i think about it i'm like i was only 20 years old full-time like <laughs> maybe i should have been a bigger star you know what i mean <laughs> Well, so you, you eventually made it to Dayton? Made it to Dayton. I was there for a couple of years and, and then got to Dayton, Ohio, which is my hometown here. went to Beaver Creek. So uh, that's when I met Tony. So that's when this sto- story we made with Tony. I, I got there. Um, in the meantime, my mixing difference was uh, I had, because I was on the radio 1819, I was hanging out at the big nightclubs, and I was able to get in the under-21 clubs mm. when I was under-21, and I'd always get in the DJ booth. And then the DJs would be mixing, and I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. And then, like, I'd get there early on purpose, and the DJ would, like, be, he'd put Snap to Power on, the exact same copy, and he'd, he'd be running, and then he'd put my headphones on and be like, see? And he'd be, like, showing me how to mix, you know what I mean? And I was like, this is so cool. Um, and then... But then you made it onto the radio in Dayton as well. Yeah, know? yeah, I did. I made it. I, I, well, that's the whole reason I came back here, was to be uh, on the radio. Like, I was in Toledo, so I said, let me oh, come back. Oh, you moved here for... Yeah, I went okay. to. I was from Dayton, Ohio. Went to Toledo to college. That's where I learned my stuff. Okay. Came back home after a couple of years. Gotcha. And then I'm here, and I heard there was a radio station opening WROU U ninety two. U ninety two. And I love me some urban music. Yeah. And I was uh, I was a definite you know in I was definitely in the role for that. So I said I would I want to be on urban radio, and I was the only white guy hired the radio station in there. It did. What was they that? The it. the quiet fire. Quiet, was that what? Quiet, 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 quiet storm. The quiet storm. storm. But Marco Simmons, legendary DJ, was there. Uh, Phil Porsche, uh, Marvelous Marvin Lewis, Ronita Haas, who was the owner. And we, I just got along with everybody so great. And I was young and uh, I was a kid, 21 years old or whatever, uh, back at home. And I was working at, uh, I, this is where I learned how to really mix, was I was working at, I think, one of the most legendary nightclubs of all time. Up, up the, the Creek. creek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. That you have to was, explain that one to me. I was... He's well, a couple you, years older than me. You were friends with Randy. Were you the big guy who was the promoter there? No, okay. no. Right. He was. He's a couple years older than me. So when he was DJing this club, he was nineteen, twenty. I was seventeen, eighteen. So I was still like a senior in high school when oh, okay. I turned eighteen. And it was the only place in town that had an eighteen and up night. And in Beaver Creek, it's called the Knights Tavern. You know what I'm talking about? In that shopping center in the corner, Knight's yeah. Table or something Night, like that. King's Table. King's Table. Yeah. Spice, old the, Spice around that. The yeah. only reason I know that place is because they have a skee ball table in there. Yep. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. It used to be, it was called the Palace Club, and then they turned it into what's called Up the Creek. And 
their 18 and up night was nothing but sweat on the walls. I mean, it was a line all the way down, Ugh, just like your typical Pearl Hammerjacks night. Yeah. It was a, it was an 18 and up night, and um, my brother. I used to go with my brother and his friends, and yeah, yeah. And I was I was the DJ up there, and I was on the radio uh, on U92. Um, I was on the radio on Power 95, DJ 95, because you know you moved a lot in radio. Yeah. I remember and, Power 95. Yeah, Jeff Stevens, who's on Mix 107.7, uh, now is my, my boss. Uh, Jeff Barville was his real name, but mm-hmm. Jeff Stevens on the radio. That radio station has had a run, hasn't it? <laughs> he yes. had a run. I think he's been there for 20 years yeah. himself, at least. 25. He was, he was when I left in 95, he was there. So, yeah, he's had a great run. Very rare. Uh, and so I moved around a little bit. Yeah, I was doing radio. I was working at Daddy O's nightclub. I worked mm-hmm. at, uh, uh, what was the name of that other club I worked at? Across the Arthur's. street, Arthur's nightclub. That was awesome. That yeah, was a that's great club. that Arthur's. That's when um, he was working there. It was twenty-one and up, and I couldn't get in, but he ended up getting me in, and I would stand in the booth <laughs> with him. This was after the Kamikaze Beach Club because he brought me on as his partner there, and then got offered that gig at Arthur's, and they thought that I was leaving as well, uh, Kamikaze Beach Club. And I stuck around. That's how I met Drew because they brought Drew okay. in when he left. Um, and it, the club that he was at, um, Arthur's, I would go in. I would hang out with him. And um, that's when Handyman, that's where we met that's Handyman. That's where we met the um, Handyman. And uh, this guy that does uh, a lot of stuff at Oxford University. And I had Brian and I out in like 1995 to do this DJ, DJ Expo. It wasn't a battle. It wasn't a DJ Expo. Was it an Expo? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was trying to battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some horror stories from that night. Um, but, yeah, that's when you went to Arthur's. Yeah, Arthur's was a great, great nightclub in town. It was very classy at the time. It was, it was that mix of a little bit of older crowd and younger crowd. Pearl. Okay. Pearl for the early 90s. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that's when I really started to hit my sweet spot with mixing. That's okay. when I really, because I was before that I had worked at Daddios, and that was Jammers, and that's when I was like cutting my teeth. That's when I, and up the creek I was really, I mean maybe I was a decent mixer, but mm-hmm. it, you know I, I look back now I don't think I was that great. Uh, but Arthur's were really felt like the the vibe in there. That was really that black box, Crystal Waters, Real McCoy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it sounds funny, but it was like that really dancey, Euroy housey, uh, steady beat. Sure. Um, off of the lot of that hip hop that was really popular in R and B, so it was a, it was a different energy. KLF, in the, KLF was huge. The Hitman, um, it was just a, it was a fun time. Madonna, you know, Scatman, Scatman. Uh, it was just, a, it was a good time for that dancey music, and the energy was a little bit different. And for mixing, it was a, an important time for my mixing career. I feel like because that's when you started holding mixes. Uh, it wasn't just a. Well, the four so, the floor started coming into your DJ world then, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's when yeah. four on the floor started coming into my DJ world. The oonts, oonts, and Tony, uh, you know, was was with me. I guess at this time, this is when we were friends. We actually became roommates. Uh, we were living together. We had a pair of turntables in the basement. Nice. And that's when I learned that this kid was like going to be a, a superstar DJ, right? <laughs> I was like, he he was so much better than me, and I was like a, I mean, I mean, I was only 24 years older and I was on the radio I had you know I, I had the biggest clubs I was DJing at and this kid in here is like blowing me away in the basement and he could scratch like you wouldn't believe he was like I was like unbelievably the way he could scratch so um, 
it was good times back then, the early '90s, man. That's that's before I moved to Florida. This is right before I moved to Florida, but it was this is when and we kind of went. That's when he went to the techno world. He he still can, by the way. <laughs> oh, I know. Trust me, trust me. It's not while you're looking. You got to put a blindfold on. You all cameras off. You turn the cameras <laughs> off. <laughs> no, he's sick. he's sick. Bring the lights down. I've been I've he's been asking good. him. I've been I've been saying forever that when he does his his sets that he should be in the middle of a set. He should break it down and scratch and he would set the room on fire because in the DJ house world and the techno world and the EDM world and the trans world whatever you want to call it there's no one really scratching well and the thing about it is too like what where I usually see you like when you're just like freestyle scratching or practicing or whatever you're you're often mixing in that like 120s mm-hmm. BPM range which is like because you're doing that Miami based no, he's, stuff. No, he's doing like a Jive 122. You yes. know what I mean? Which it'll speed up the Jive 122 a little bit. And, yeah. And so he's, he's already got that style down. So it, style it works down. right into the, the techno stuff or, anyway. Or if it was the deep stuff that sometimes, you know, it slows down in the middle. You know, there's nothing wrong with in the middle of a hot set as it comes down to da 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 If you do it right in the right spot, I think it would just add to his legend because I think uh, he, people don't know that about him he is an amazing scratch DJ thank you where I, I was never as much because I was always full time in the club and you don't you don't scratch in the you don't scratch in the club unless you're really good like there's nothing worse than a DJ who can't scratch good scratch in the club now I was that guy but I because I, I still tried but I wasn't like practicing or doing the way I needed to I never had my setup at home because I was always full time in a club so I never had a rig at home early on this guy did and he was like <laughs> well, and that, that's the <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that I, I think is, is fascinating about your, your story is, and, and I think this is something that's probably missing from a lot of uh, new DJs today, is that you, you know, you said something about you cut your teeth at this place and this place, and, and like, that's really what happened. Like, you, you weren't a DJ one day, and then one day you were a DJ, so figure that shit out. Like, that was your experience. That it's, was. You know, you're, you're thrown under the bus, and so, like, I... First of all, like you, you had a lot of different approaches. You did the club thing, you did the radio thing in a few different places and a few different contexts. I was doing the mobile thing a little bit on the side too, because okay. when you're in radio or you're on the club, you know people come up to you, hey, do you? Uh, I, I have a wedding coming up. I I have a party coming up. Can, can you DJ? Yeah. And so I just was like, yeah. Yeah, and I think that the, the difference between that and what tends to happen now is that people decide. I want to be a DJ, so I'm going to learn how to become one, and then I'm going to get good at it, right. and then I'm going to become one and get gigs. I can't you know tell I mean? you and, and, and then you get the perfectionism like thing, whereas you're never good enough, and you just don't go out and do it and get the experience that would give you <laughs> I've those pr- I've probably met in my lifetime 100 DJs who were amazing. I can't... Amazing. But they make no money. They play free gigs if they do go out somewhere they play for a bar tab yeah or for 50 bucks or which is nothing wrong with that but you have to expand your horizons you have to say um well obviously why am i doing this like i want to be a dj okay i want to be a dj well that's so many things it's okay you want to be a talking mc voiceover dj or do you want to be a a mixing DJ? Do you want to be a, a club DJ? Do you want to be a, a mobile DJ? Do you want to be a? Do you want to do Sweet Sixteen parties? Do you want? You know what I mean? It's like you have to look yeah. at like. What is Cubert your hero, or is Richie Houghton your hero, or are you a business person? Exactly. You know, what's your approach? And for me, 
Okay, it was always everything. Like I love Cubert. I noticed. <laughs> I, I love Cubert. Yeah. I, I I love house music. I was in the rave scene for a while with, with Tony. I my mix cloud is nothing but deep house, like a very deep jazzy eclectic house. Um, is that what you like to? What do you like to play when you're not working? So um, I guess this would go back to a little bit of. I guess we'll go back if we can go back a little bit to my career. By all means. So what happened was uh, always working in the club. I was always playing top forty. I was always top forty. You know, it was working at the five-star resort that was doing $5 million a year that I had to play the old school early and then ride the wave as much as I could of being cool at night without getting in trouble. Right. But yet I'm friends with a lot of people coming there, and so I'm trying to like... Don't want to be lame, but you don't yeah, want to push so, it. So I, I moved to Florida uh, in 95. And I, I got hired right away in the radio. Got hired right away at a nightclub. Uh, we skipped right over Z93, by the way. You had yeah. Z93 in there, too. In Dayton, Ohio, Z93 for a little while. Um, but Which is really only important to the locals because everybody who's local recognize that. Yeah, the but. Z93. <laughs> but, you know, even then, um, you know, radio was cool back then. You know, and uh, I did work at Z93. And um, I met Tony uh, actually at Z93. I was working there. And he uh, we'd crossed paths a couple of times. But, he you know, like I said, he, he, he called into the radio station and asked for a song. And. He came by the radio station, so I was working at Z93. It was almost, I don't mean to cut you off, but it was almost the same path as you were talking because you were leeching to your roommate in Toledo, and I was in the booth with Johnny, then I was in the booth with him, and then he would invite me to Z93 on Sunday nights when he would do his overnights, and he would have me putting you know, some things in or hitting a, right. you know, hitting a button or a slider. So okay. it was kind of like the, almost the same scenario. He, he's always been that way. He, the difference with him is he was a quiet guy. And so he would just sit there and observe and, and kind of and be there where I was always asking questions. Neither one is wrong as long as you're just in the moment and you're learning what you have to do. And he clearly showed that he didn't need to ask him any questions. He just needed to observe and figure out himself. I'm not as smart as him. I always had to ask him a million questions. You know, <laughs> and just how, how does this work? How do you do this? Uh, he just faked it till he made it pretty much. He, he, he was like, yeah, cool. I got this, you know. Let, let's let's do this. So I moved to... to yeah, you moved to Florida. Moved Sorry. To Florida. No, so I was at this resort playing and this was when this so this was in the late '90s, and this was when South Florida, when the the house music was going off. I mean, we're talking Stardust and music sounds better with oh, you. Okay. Yep. Um, that era. Right. It, right uh, in there. Yeah, and so I was playing all those jams at night. I was using promo only at the time, and they had the best club jams. Oh man, they did. And uh, and so I was playing uh, the the commercialist commercial of I could have that mixed with all the regular top 40 and everything I had R&B that I had to do in a night to keep the night going. Um, but it was an amazing run. I was at the same nightclub, Club Zanzibar, for about 11 years, actually running their, their entertainment director and DJing on Friday and Saturday oh, nights wow. for, and Thursday nights for like, a, for like 11 years. It's a good run. It's a great run. Um, and, and during that time period, like I said early on, it was all that electronic house music and break beats were great. And so a lot of people were coming to the club were partiers, you know what I mean? And they were people that went to those the raves and the techno clubs and I was like, you know, I wanna I wanna go hang out, you know, and, and be in a different music environment that wasn't that top forty yeah club music. Cause I was a great mixing DJ with the club music, but the techno and the house music DJing was like next level. And there's a different culture that comes along with that, with the rave and even now with the festival thing. I mean, it's different than the rave scene, it, but it is, it comes with its own, its own kind of people. culture. It does culture because the difference would be uh, in the nightclub spinning business where it's mainly people drinking alcohol, right? It's, 
it's they're they're dancing to the words they're not dancing to the beat and we're right. in the house music culture they're dancing to the beat and they don't want really the words or not they don't want uh, something being put in their head and impression they want to make their own art with the music as they go they don't want to be fed something so for me it was a chance to almost be free DJing uh, or just uh, really I don't know, maybe show off that I could mix mm. a little bit yeah it wasn't that that top 40 so Becoming I was coming the DJs DJ I was of. so I then these the, the cool DJs were like coming to my club and they were kind of influencing me because then I'd hang out with them after the club sometimes at like their, their house parties which is the first time I've been going to any house parties where people had turntables set up at a house and they were playing techno they'd be like Brian you want to play and I'd be like give me some records and I'd, I'd freak everybody out because I could just grab any crate oh shit he, do, he already knows how to do this and just roll <laughs> with their crate you know what I mean yeah. doing things that really honestly probably doing things that they didn't, weren't doing with their own crate you know what I mean because I was mixing two types of records that they never thought they could mix together because maybe they weren't in key or maybe in their, they weren't the same genre or maybe there was some kind of gap that they just you know played and this is the way I play my records uh, so for me it was just like a chance to be like I was cool at the party a little bit. I, I got a chance to play like, I don't know. There's a stigma of being a club top 40 DJ a little bit. Sometimes you get from cool people like you're, oh, you're playing that again, you know, or oh. you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you get that. The elitism the thing. The elitism thing. And I kind of fell for it a little bit. So when I got to play for the techno music, it was like really awesome. And I, I can remember, this is where I can bring Tony back in and feel like I influenced him. Because I did help him learn how to mix and some theories, but he was really wasn't doing techno or really house music much and I made a mixtape um, of my favorite like really housey stuff from like the promo only like the ones that didn't okay. have lyrics and you yeah. know, were off the beaten path that I'd found and uh, you know I'd like to say I hit lightning in a bottle the reality is I'm, I probably most of the time nailed most of my mixes you know just if you've been mixing a long time but you know I sure. kind of nailed lightning but then again, if you make mixtapes in my year, I, I nailed it, right? At I that, nailed it. At that time, I had heard, because I was still in the top 40 clubs, I had thrown, that was 97. That was right yeah, before Mike Donovan and I threw a rave. So it was, I, it was Renaissance. My buddy Tony Smith gave me the, the Renaissance CD. And then the only other stuff that I was ever exposed to at that time was still the top 40 stuff, like, Scatman and San, uh, uh, Black man. Box <laughs> and uh, Two Unlimited, Get Ready for This, and that was that like was techno. that was techno to the to the clubbers. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, Brian had moved to Florida, and you know, with the promo onlys and the stuff that he had, the mix that he did, you know. And I remember I gave it to him, mm -hmm. and he was like, "Yo," you know what I mean? Like it was like kind of reinforced me, even like, "Yeah, yeah, like this is cool. Like we got this." And uh, that's when I, that's how I got into like I guess the, the house music scene. So you asked me like my favorite to play is house music. That's my favorite to play, and I say house music that is so broad, right? But for me, that means it's easier to be broad. I've learned. Oh yeah. And I would say I probably now are considered a Sunday morning or a lounge house DJ. Um, okay. Because I play, you know, I play in that one. I like to play in that one seventeen to one twenty five range. I like to. Uh, I love stuff like that. And I, I love the, I love the keys, love the keys, and I love uh, nice you know nice swooshes, and I, I just I love jazzy sound, um, and I love that beachy, chill house music sound. So, um, and one of the reasons for that, I'm gonna be honest, is because I think, the few times that I played at maybe. 
all night festivals or something else where I got a chance to come in and play, a lot of times I found my best sets to be like that Sunday morning or that Sunday afternoon, next day, kind of like that that mm. come down. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm yeah. not saying me coming down, but just that whole vibe of the, right, the, right. the energy is just that lower beat. I just always liked. Just so that's what I, my mix cloud is full of the, the deep jazzy house sound, but I can still bang it, you know. I found like I, I, I started out playing like maybe hundred and well, I guess I should be honest. I started out playing trance, but not in well, any capacity, just fooling around. I think but when I really got trance to trance right at some point, right? yeah. By Did the time they? I was playing anywhere, I was playing you know hundred and twenty eight, hundred and thirty okay. BPM. Uh, at the time, it was like electro house was becoming a thing. Okay. So that real early buzzy kind of electro house Can and you tech give me house some, uh, and stuff. Give me some tracks. Oh, or, or, or labels. Um, I can't even remember now. Oh, how about uh, was it Micah Moore did a version of Space? Uh, okay, we'll yep, send yep, you to yep, outer space. Yep, yep. Uh, so it was like that kind of stuff. That kind of like Beatport Top yeah. Ten from two thousand. Vocally, would you say vocals? So it was only because what I was trying to do was get my first gigs, so okay, I felt okay. like I had to play something for gotcha. some audience to connect to. I didn't really know what I was doing yet, um, and so that was I, I did play a lot of stuff, but really what I wanted to do was play slower versions of trance, which is kind of what I do now, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, anyways, over time, I found myself getting slower and slower BPM. I think you do naturally as you get older. I think it's just something that happens for most people as you yeah. just the more and, I, and older doesn't mean age. I think older means the amount of time you've been playing. Right. Records. You just I think it's natural in the beginning to want to because you want to be like the guy. You know what I mean? When the club yeah. is at the top of it, and like, look at me. I'm the best DJ. Everyone's got their hands in the air and I'm playing the hardest track. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's natural. I, I was really influenced by. Um, so before the Facebook and even the MySpace era. I was really into forums, like online forums. Okay. And, uh, you know, they kind of, yeah, I would sign up for some trance ones and some DJ related stuff. And that was kind of where I was first introduced to the idea of kind of being more underground with it and kind of slowing things down, doing less vocals and, and that sort of stuff. And so when I first heard that in a live context and somebody played like 120 BPM mm-hmm. house, I noticed that it, what I once probably would have thought was boring. I was like, wow, this is keeping me into that groove for so much longer. It's not like wearing me out mentally. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can stay here and just shuffle my feet for like four hours and be perfectly happy with it. And once that clicked for me, I started bringing my tempo down on my own tracks. I think too, maybe one of the reasons that I like that tempo is uh, it's a good driving tempo. Like if you're in your car, it's it's yeah. it's just it's nice to drive to. And I think that a lot of the times that you're listening to your own mix is when you're in the car. And so maybe that just that goes hand in hand. But it's just it's like it's awesome to drive to over a long distance to that tempo. And like you said, the the higher bang 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 bang, it wears you out after a period of time. But you know this is all in context of knowing that this is based on what you like to play, not being a DJ to get paid out in the realm so because there really is a clear distinction between the two you know what you like to play and are you trying to go out and make money or play in front of an actual crowd on a weekly basis you know locally or something because you know you're never going to be able to probably just be a house bedroom DJ and become a superstar DJ where you're just going to travel around the world 
You're going to have to get some gigs under your belt where you're playing in front of people who are dancing. And, and, and I don't care if it's at a restaurant where you clear out the tables or if it's at a, a major nightclub or a festival that a friend throws at you know, his backyard that has 50 people. you got to get that time under your belt. Or a Sunday night at Shooters. <laughs> Sunday night at Shooters, <laughs> a Sunday night anywhere. I mean, right? You know, just uh, any, anywhere you can go out and play. Um, if you want to make money and play in front of people, you got to get out there and just go do it. You know, yeah, the most common, the most common question that I've gotten as it through passionate DJ through some means, whether that's email or Twitter or whatever, you could probably guess is is how can I become a successful DJ? How can I become right. a famous DJ or something along those lines? Which is funny because it's like uh, if I had the formula for being a famous DJ, I would probably be doing that. I don't know if I'm the person to ask, but I think what people miss is they, you know, they see the the superstars or or, or whoever their uh, whatever their bar is. They see that person and they just assume the overnight success thing, which like almost never happens. You know, we've driven that home on this show a million times, and what it actually requires is like a relentless obsessive hustle for most people. And it needs, you know, it needs what you have. Whereas, like, you, like you went in and said, "I'm going to become a DJ," and then you got that job that day, and then you figured it out. It requires, you know, like DJ second nature. It requires crystal grid. It requires that level of, I have to do this, and I can't stop doing it. Well, <laughs> and then hustle, 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 hustle. Uh, you know, the number one is you obviously have to um, understand how it works, right? So we talked about that leeching system, where you you, you find someone who does it. You, you hang out with them. You watch them do it in action. If if you want to be a, a, a mobile DJ, right? Let's say you say, you know, I want to play for people. I want to get paid. I don't like my job, uh, period. I don't like where I work. Or I don't make enough money where I work. My Saturday nights are free. My Friday nights are free. I love music. If I wasn't uh, going out and spending money, you know, if, if I'm not DJing, I'd probably go out and spend money at the club. And, and go dance or or I just I like that environment well it's pretty simple you just got to go ahead and get yourself some you know some motivation get yourself some equipment right or if it's a place that has equipment whatever just understand how it works leech onto someone find out how it does and go in and just ask for the job you got to ask for the job you know put a flyer together that says this is my name you know this a picture of you DJing or something maybe somewhere uh, some cool flyer and give it to 15 restaurants, clubs, places, and say, I, I can play one night a week. You know, pick a night. What, what night do you need help at? You're going to find a place. I promise you, you will find someone. If you just do it, so, well, at least for me, it seems like anytime I said, I want to go do something, almost immediately, someone was like, that's crazy. I was just looking for a DJ. Yeah, see, that that's the thing. Like, I, I think we're... I'm definitely guilty of this, like thinking that you have to have this, a lot of clever marketing and, and branding and, and things to, to get ahead. And I get caught in that loop, but you spend so much time getting your marketing materials right. You could spend that same amount of time talking to 10 people and you'd probably nail what you're looking for. Well, you, you know, know the what saying, I mean? It's, you know the saying, uh, it's not, <laughs> I've done that to myself a million know, times. It's, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't know anyone if you don't go talk to them, right? Or you don't yeah. go see them. And that's really what it comes down to because everyone, like if you're in the field of DJing and, and you want to go DJ somewhere and a place is looking for a DJ, there are a hundred guys as qualified as you around you in town that can do exactly what you do. But have but they, they probably been in there? Won't. Have they been in there? Have they told them this is, I'm a DJ? 
Right. No. Ma- matter of fact, what's going to happen is if you go in there and you say 15 places or whatever, and you say, I want to do it one night. And you First of all, you have to be able to do the job. You know, hanging out. And, you know, you've learned enough where you go do it. Go there, do the job. Play the music right and do it. But what's going to happen is a place down the street that can't find the DJ that they need one is going to say, well, there's a DJ that we know that's down there on that night. And you're going to end up playing it that night, a second night. You know, or you're going to leave your place because that place down the street says we want you to play for yeah. more money. Uh, it just it's going to happen. It's like you just have to put yourself in the game or it's never going to happen. I know, like I said, I, I said 100. I know a thousand DJs, I feel like, that are amazing. You play at a party. You play something like uh, maybe they're playing seven guys are playing, you know, at some barn. You know, it's like 10 bucks to get in maybe or, you right. know, whatever. I'll go to that party and I'll see guys where I go like that's, the world needs to know about like, this. <laughs> like this guy's so good. Right. You know, he plays the best music and I maybe see him like eight years later. And he's doing the same exact thing. And he's talking mm. about, you know, man, I got to get my, I just got to get my tape out or, or my, my demo out or, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, as soon as I get my logo done or just, yeah. Or it's, it's always, or just even, you know, even not even that some people just give up obviously they just, they just stop playing because yeah. it's like I'm not I'm not going anywhere I'm not playing anywhere I have this cool equipment I've been to at least a hundred guys house where they've got all this great setup like you David and they never play it they never touch it they never do anything with it they never make any money off of it I'm very happy to see that you you know found a way you know to become a DJ and make it professional because not a lot of guys do that but I yeah I've that was my method though is adding on to the DJ part of it, you know, I built a completely separate brand to to be able to do this and talk about it, and as much as I want, create content about DJing and stuff because that was my version of of hustling my way into doing it. You know, it's that's my fake it till you make it, and you, know, you did it. This is my show, and I talk about DJing. Look at me, and then once you have you know 150 episodes of that, and if people are resonating with that message, then you've done it. Well, awesome. And, and, you know, and, but and, and then now let's just say I could have also wanted, just been DJing. You know what I mean? So it's it's tricky. It's called, like you said, being in the game, and you have to ask. Secondly, yeah, and ask. and you know, and and then just a full disclosure, like I'm, I'm very guilty of talking about exactly this more than actually doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, which is the problem that most of us have, I think, is like, oh yeah, what I need to do is da 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 da. In the meantime, and then though, you just leave it. you're not wasting time. You're honing your craft. So yeah, I'm not sitting on my ass. Important thing. Yeah. You, that's the most important thing because if you actually do get this podcast on the next level, and I think it will, uh, I do. It's amazing. Matter of fact, I, I got a good feeling about it. But um, you're honing your craft. So forget about the fact that you talk about it all the time. As long as you do it, you need to do it. I'm saying that. Go do it, David. Man, see, now I'm, I'm the interviewee. I'm just going to give the <laughs> give you the hosting job, and I, I feel like I'm learning a lesson now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like um, this aspect of, of being a DJ or an MC or, or radio or um, mixing in a club, uh, I think I've done it all, you know, over time. Yeah, I, so... That's what I've done. Uh, out of all those things that you've done, do you, what do you like to do? You've done, I mean, just... The bedroom DJ thing, obviously, yep. like we all have. You've yep. done radio DJ yep. in multiple forms. You've done club DJ. You still mobile. do the mobile. I still do the mobile. Thing. I still do two a month at least, a couple of weddings. A month. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what do you like to do? What's as a DJ? What's your that's if you could just question. do so only this that's a kind great of question? Gig? You know, I think like in life, I like everything that's good, and I, I want it all. 
and I think uh, for me, uh, I never wanted to focus in on one thing. Maybe because, maybe I didn't think it was obtainable, and all of it together was obtainable. Um, I was able to make fifty thousand dollars a year, probably every year for twenty plus years. Um, that, uh, trust me, I'm not rich, but I've been able to make a, a good chunk of money full time, not having to work uh, DJing. There have been spats when you're not DJing. There's times when you know your business isn't hot and you have to go pick up a full time sling it during the week job. And I've done that a few times. You're here. Don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> um, I, I found a way now to be uh, a little bit more um, uh, efficient with my time as I'm getting older. And, and using the, in the DJ world, some of the tools that I've obtained over these years and in sales, which I did some radio sales because I knew radio. So I was in the game of radio. So when I needed a full-time radio or a full-time job, I was like, you know, I could probably do that sales job of radio because when I'm talking to people, I can, I can tell them about radio. Yeah. Pretty easy. Uh, so I, I learned that. So I learned a few little sales trades. And um, if you want, I, maybe I could tell a, a quick story about um, what I'm doing now and how this relates to sales and DJing. Okay. Okay. So about a year, well, let me go far, let me go back. Four years ago, my, my best friend in, Ohio, uh, in Florida, Gentry, who Tony knows, uh, he had created an online radio station called Muddy Country. And it was one of the first online radio stations out there. And it sounded like a professional radio station because he was in the radio business like me. So he bought like professional radio gear, got like professional radio voices. It wasn't like your typical online radio station, you know, or like some dead air, just sounded bad. Tight, tight as can be automation that he, you know, did himself. And he was actually uh, making still not much, but maybe breaking even, but it was a great idea. And he got some investors and he came up with an idea of custom business radio where he would, you know, go out and maybe sponsor like businesses and they have their own radio station. But nothing really took off, and lo and behold, uh, playing basketball one day, he's like, well, you know, what do you think of the idea of like, because we were talking about that custom radio thing about like a athlete radio station, and he's and at the time the Miami Heat were in the, the finals, and big news down there. Oh, shout out to Miami Heat, <laughs> give it up. And uh, this is when LeBron James and was over here, and uh, so we said, how about King James Radio? And then we thought about Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba Radio. And, and so Gentry the next day like actually buys the domain names of these, these, these names. Like just, you know, it's cheap. I can do it. Let's get it just in case. Two weeks later, he's at, and we also the time talked about game plan of how you do it around the athlete and music. Never thinking of what would happen. Two weeks later or so, he's at his club where he's DJing, which was a country club he's DJing at, doing country music of all places. And Shaquille O'Neal's ex-girlfriend, Hoops, reality TV star, shows up at the club in Fort Myers, Florida, of all places, and is talking to him. And Gentry mentioned something about, oh, I got a, I got a radio station I can build for Shaq or something or whatever. And she says, that's funny. He's, he's thinking about buying one or something. And he's like, they, he ends up hooking him up with them. Now, fast forward a few years. They're business partners in, a, in an online radio station called Shaq Fu Radio. 
And it gets like millions of hits a month. Right? I'm so glad you told that story. I wasn't <laughs> sure if we were allowed to talk about that I'm or not. I'm going to tell a story. I don't. It's all good. And uh, and it's an amazing radio station. It plays hip hop, and it's based around Shaquille. And it like it'll you know everything you can imagine is clips. It's of like him his Shade winning. 45 or something. Right. And you remember he was with Wu Tang. He's been a DJ his whole life. Yeah, so it's like 18, yeah, I think 19. people don't realize that because a lot of people hate on, on DJ Diesel. Yeah, DJ Diesel know. is what he goes by. It's like, oh, he's another celebrity DJ. Like, no, right. he's actually been doing this for a long ass time. for a long time and, you know, on turntables. And he has a little uh, LL Cool J rock the bells routine, you know. He's, yeah. Uh, and so uh, fast forward, their business partners on a radio online station. Well, Shaquille is getting offers to do uh, DJ jobs. Now, Gentry, my partner, I taught him how to do a lot of club DJing and so forth and now he's a great club great club DJ and he basically goes with Shaq and sets everything up for him gets it right the equipment right he's like basically like his manager on the road that's a cool gig (laughs) he's basically his manager on the road for DJ jobs okay become very good friends they're also business partners and whatnot and um, I myself uh, was uh, using Denon all of a sudden in the last like four months I'd bought a Denon 8000 controller which was a shout out to what Nam a controller of the year yeah. or whatever you know, <laughs> um, it just had the features of the USBs that I liked. Um, I was going to ask, were you using it standalone? I was using it. No, I was using it with the Serato. With Serato, okay. I was using it with Serato. Um, I was using Tractor before that. Shout out to my boy Tony Desaro. He <laughs> bought me a Tractor S4 years ago, and that thing carried me forever. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I, I got. Let me say enough. That was the best gift I've ever got. Absolutely, buddy. And that S4 rocked it forever. Uh, and so the, the Tractor S4 was great. Um, I, I used one for three or four years love before I got that S8 over there. Yeah. Now, it was amazing when I got this Denon 8000. I was like, oh, my God, it's so punchy. And, like, just all, all the things about it. I, I loved its versatility. I loved you could use the standalones. I liked the redundancy factor. I liked that one USB could control both sides. Yeah. Very cool. And then the, the scratching on it was, like, really not bad, not bad. And I'm a slip cue guy. I want to slip cue everything. I do not want to push a button, okay? I will not push a button. So uh, I feel like tables as much as possible. As much as possible, turntable. So I, I play the uh, the Denon 8000. Now, Gentry's having a problem with Shaquille where they, when there's times when Shaq needs a song, because, but he doesn't know where it's at in the machine and, you know, and, and like someone, or like he'll look at Gentry because maybe he's playing a, as he liked to say, Shaq will say, white boy classics. Because he'll be like an arena with like full of white people, and he'll look at Gentry be like, "Give me some white boy classics, right? You know what I mean, right? You know, this is early on, by the way. This was early on. What would be an example? Like a, you know, a I love rock and roll, okay, or like gotcha. a, you know, pour a, some sugar on pour me. some sugar yeah. on me, or a don't stop believing. You know what I mean, like a, 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 a rock and roll yeah. classic for you know whatever to like get everyone you know hyped, or you know, a jump around. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Because that can be a white boy classic sure. too. You know, an Eminem, you know, lose yeah. lose can be you know can be a, a white boy classic. So. There was a there, so he would like basically, but the problem was Gentry would have to come up, and like next to Shaq, like he was like a Paris Hilton's DJ or something. <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually a meme that is now around the country that he's like a world famous meme now, <laughs> where it's something like when you don't know what you're doing, you need help or something. Oh, it's no. like little Gentry next to Shaq, <laughs> you know, and it's it's hysterical. He loves it, you know, he thinks it's hysterical. Because Shaq's a real DJ, that's not it. But we wanted to eliminate that issue, so I'm like, look, you know, hypothetically, we could, you know, run, he could run USB sticks, and we could have a cord run long USB to wherever your laptop is, and you could just be like, line three, 
You know what I mean? And like, you know, he can just flip it up and it's, you know what I mean? It's like a little bit less. It's, it's not really that different than what I, uh, I used to do an online stream and I'd run a Spotify into my like auxiliary input just to have that channel in case I needed to go grab something real quick. Exactly. It's a, it's a I, I, Hey, I need this, but you know, in the yeah. middle of your thing, Oh, it's line three, you know, and it's, it's up there. So we were just talking about, I said, Hey, you could do that with this down on. So, uh, Shaq Gentry was like, uh, he, he said, I'm going to, I said, let me talk to Denon though. I'm like, don't, don't, you know, he's playing on Pioneers right now. We're getting no endorsement from Pioneer. Uh, Shaq at this point now is playing like worldwide festivals and doing like playing rhythm music. I mean, like hard bang and stuff next to like Carnage and stuff and, and then killing it. Like, interesting. And uh, uh, Lost Woods. Lost Lands. Lost Lands. Look at that backwards. Uh, I was gonna say backwoods, lost lands. You lost know what's woods. funny? This, this, <laughs> what's funny? I was talking to Brian like two weeks before Lost Lands, and Brian's like, he's like, yeah, I might be going to Lost Lands, and and you know was telling me that Shaq was playing. I didn't think anything of it. I thought he was on the bill, but he was the special guest DJ. No. And ever and like I'm sitting here watching my story over the weekend, and all these people are freaking out because Shaq's at Lost Lands DJing. I knew about it two weeks, but didn't know it was a secret. You know what I mean? And Brian had told me about it, but yeah, it's pretty he, cool. He, he and so he's killing it, and I'm and he's getting like great press from like Billboard and like major dance okay. magazines yeah. now, saying like, "Whoa, like look at this set he's putting together." Like you know, and um, so. This, you know, this is going on, so I'm like, let's talk. Let's talk to In Music, which is the owners of Den Denon and Rain, Rain, Rain and Akaya. Yep. And so, uh, MPC, which is a great machine. Yep. And uh, he says, uh, uh, he says, okay, well, see what you can do. You know, man, I put. You, you would think that sounds like a daunting job, right? Like, who am I? I'm not. I'm not his agent. I'm not. You know, I'm just. Right. I'm, I'm Gentry's friend, and you know, he wants me to help him out. I said, okay. So I, I used my little bit of sales experience. And to me, it was like a home run, you know, like how, how could they not want him? You know, See, that's a great point, too, because we we've said that a number of times on the show, the, the it's who, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's true. But what people people think they have to be the guy, they have to know the guy. But sometimes you just need to go like you need to know like the tertiary. You need to know like three guys down is all it takes. Just sometimes. be in the game. Yeah, just, just be, be in, around. Be it. around the game. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, you might someone's gonna be like, "Hey, oh, you can be help with that." We'll see what you can do. Because yeah. the guy's gonna need a guy at some point. And as long as you're willing to do it for free, or gal, I should say, for free. As long as you're willing to do it for free, don't sit there and say, "Oh, what are you gonna pay me to do that?" This is what's early on, right? You say, "How can I help?" Yeah. Right. You know, it's, I'm not putting a thousand hours in this. Let me see if I can help do this. Uh, lo and behold, you know, we put together a fantastic deal for Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and he is now uh, an ambassador to to not only Denon but Rain, uh, because he loves the Rain digital turntables. The oh, Rain the twelves. The Rain twelves. The Rain seventy twos mixer, which is amazing. You've played with the twelves. I have them. You have the twelves. I also what have the Denon five thousands. So that answers the question of whether you like them. I assume you like them if you have them. <laughs> they are, matter of fact, not only that, but uh, I had a pair of 1200s, which will not be being pulled out. It's just why. I, yeah. you know, Shout out to Bob Green. Thank you for those 1200s uh, that he recently gave me some pair I was going to refurbish. Uh, but no need to because these 1200s, now granted, you're playing on a computer. And I had even mentioned to the, because I've been lucky enough to, to sit down with the, the, the heads of the company and so forth and I said, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the engine software from the Denons, which, in case people know, is an internal 
software so you can run USBs and you can use your effects and your pads. Yeah. It's, it's called Engine. Engine. And, it's, you know, it's like a red box or, or whatever for... Uh, record box? Record box. Say red box. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a faux pas. How about that for a faux <laughs> Staying pas? in. Hey, well, you know, it's just something like red box is soon going to be out of date, right? What's no. that called? A blockbuster yeah, video? What was that thing? <laughs> a beta tape. <laughs> Uh, that's so funny I said that and uh, basically the uh, it's a program that, it, that reads the deal I said why don't you have that on those 1200 so I can play those those turntables with USB sticks only and internal in that rain like that you know that's great now another thing the rain 72 has it has the waveforms on on, on the center screen, screen. cool but it's the yeah. Serato you know, kind of waveforms like it would be cool if it had that internal you know, lines there with the turntables yeah. with the USB stick. So actually, you know, they're. Uh, I think they're going to be looking at that. You know, some things because now look at that. I'm I'm helping maybe potentially helping uh, influence some gear of the stuff I've been playing on for my whole life. Just because why? I took a chance with something. I got a chance to sit down and have dinner with some people. Got to put Shaq on some good equipment. Shaq's now rocking the den on five thousands at his gigs. So using the, the, the normal ones, or did you get the motorized ones? No, not the motorized ones. That's the newest ones that just came yeah. out. I think we're going to get Have a you seen those yet? I think they're going to send us a pair, and we're yeah. going to test those out. We said we needed to check them out because cool. they're pretty cool. He's a, he's a good scratch DJ, so that would be a, a effective for him. If you're not a scratch DJ, it's there's not much difference just for Just more it. stuff to break. There's more stuff there. Um, but if you, if you are a scratch DJ, I had used the V7 in the old school, the old school Newmark V7. Uh, I was a fan of that, and that was great technology then, so I can't imagine that it's going to be worse. Now, I understand why they did it. The Denon 5000 platters are super heavy. Like, they, they're, they? they're heavy. Um, they sound good, though. So if you've got, here's the deal. If you've got heavy hands and you're strong-handed with it, it sounds really good. Shaq's a big guy, big hands. And so it sounds good. He, he rocks those things. He can really kill it. Uh, plus, the Denon 5000s are really big. They got those touch screens, and so we put them up on like a second case with him. So it's like it looks <laughs> like him. Uh, it's been a it's been a dream marriage with that company so far, as far as in the That's DJ awesome. world. And you know, for a guy who started out playing on the Denon, I think it was the one thousand, which was the little strip, the front loads. Front oh loads, yeah, okay. okay? Yeah. The plus and the minus. It had the plus and the minus. That yeah. was the first real effective plus and minus because all the other plus and minuses for were clicks. Click, click. The, for pitch bend? For pitch bend, yeah. yeah the, the plus minus to slowing the record down or speeding it up. And most of the gear back then, they were like clicks. Okay. And, and they, but this was like a pressure-sensitive kind of thing where you could like ride it in between <laughs> the beats and really kind of nail the mixes. So that was at my club in Zanzibar, and I was rocking that thing. And I, I love that thing. That's where I got hip to it. <laughs> yeah, it's everything. Best. And so I love that mixer. They came out with a couple of versions after that that were really cool. Um, and then they kind of lost their mojo, man. They, they lost their mojo. They tried to do these like little individual decks, weird little slip tops. And, yeah, um, you know, I remember I mean, those. They, they, they were just trying a lot of different things, and they went through a real phase of trying a lot of different things. Now, to their credit, like they had some real effective pricing, you know what I mean, uh, for back then. But they, they kind of fell out of the game to Pioneer, you know. Yeah. They fell out of the game. And you know, as you know, Pioneer kind of became like Technique twelve hundreds. Yeah, industry standard. Industry standard, and they really still are. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a, another company make waves against Pioneer uh, in recent history as the way Denon has in the past, you know, two or three. And there, and the eight thousand, I think, was probably the reason for that. That controller got mad respect um, across the board um, for just best, best quality, best controller of the year. 
And so, and it was a really, it's a great, it's a great machine. But the the Denon 5000s are spectacular. Have you had a chance to, to I play have not. on those? Uh, Tony has a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. but I haven't. I played, really. Yeah, I played on, um, who was it? Oliver Heldon. Made a random from him, and okay. I hooked uh, Shaq stuff up for Gentry at the yep. uh, Breakaway Festival. They're just beautiful, uh, big. They, they they track so well. And you know what? The mixer, the, the 1800 Prime mm-hmm. mixer, it's got to be the best mixer on the market right now. I don't care what you say. This thing uh, has... <clears throat> It's really cool. It has a filter feature on it uh, where four different filters that you can choose from that are actually one of your turn knobs, not your like LPH, you know, HPF, you know, it's like below that one. So if you engage that one and use it on your low end, you kind of have that effect right there. So it's really cool if you're like coming out of a mix to hit like a phase out or a out and then come with with this, not hitting a button. It's like the... The, uh, the the amount the sweep. Yeah. The sweep and it's more and less and they make different sounds in between and it's not and they also have like the pioneer the regular low high pass no that you know the the, the button down here you push for your effects uh, and then you can change from echo to flanger and then all the yeah. basses up yep. there it's the exact same thing there so they have that which you can assign to each individual or the master and also have these individuals there so you can have this on master and then individual lines for filter on these it's really cool i think denon started making good choices with their mixers before their their players like i had Agreed. the um the dn 1600 i think it was the 16. saying that right i think it was the 16 um and it was basically it was like a the poor man's djm 900 yep um and basically the difference was the effects weren't as good but i didn't really care about that uh, but it had it it had sound card built in. Yep. It was like half the price. Yep. At least of the the nine hundred, and it was tractor certified, which was rare at the time. Right. For a mixer to have that, so I was trying to get rid of the breakout box and all that. I didn't want to to use my tractor scratch box and have all the wires and stuff. I just wanted it all in one, and so I got that, and I thought it was great, and I loved it. And then on from there went uh, to they made the. Uh, they, they really weren't in the game, I guess you will, to that controller, you know. So that's when that controller came out, I bought it, and that's when I said, let's do this. Now, the Rain 12s, we talked about those turntables. Those are in the Rain 72 mixer, super cool. Uh, you know, like it a lot. I think they're going to, they're like anything else, I'm, I'm analyzing it and saying, oh, I would do this and <laughs> I would do that, and, you know, which is fun. But, you know, for someone, again, who, who learned on Denon, that was my career, and then to be sitting and dealing and negotiating for that equipment, and then now I've I've been lucky enough because through the company to be able to access to some of the equipment, uh, to play on it, and, yeah. and and actually maybe be part of them being cool again, you know. And that was yeah. part of my even the pitch to them was, you know, you guys were the top dog. You're not. Let's let's put a dent. Let's put a bite, you know, into these guys, you know, and, and let's do something about Pioneer and running the, and you know, the, the monopoly of everything. So, so it's kind of fun to be in that little race. You, you, know? you were hashtag change your rider right <laughs> off the bat. Huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 we, we did. And he's, he's, he's changed his rider. Um, and it's been a super success so far. He's been playing a lot of gigs and, uh, and like I said, just rocking it out. DJ Diesel, man, look out for him. He's going to be it's gonna be playing everywhere. It's gonna be. You're gonna probably see him. I bet it playing next to Marshmallow, playing yeah. next to the top people, and being and like headlining with them. Matter of fact, you know, he says himself. You know, he's he every time. This is pretty cool little inside story. I'll share is uh, when he travels with Gentry. 
and they get cabs who ask, you know, like, who, what DJs do you had here? Tell me about them. They cool? You know, like, <laughs> you know, he, he asks how he were, and then he'll say, like, well, you tell Martin Garrix that uh, Shaq's coming for him <laughs> <laughs> or, or Diesel's coming for him. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I don't be surprised if you see some really cool things, you know, in the future. We're actually hoping to put a show together where Shaq comes out and plays on the reins. And then comes out and plays on the MPC, does a little set on the MPC, oh, okay. and then gets back on the Denons. Because he's, let's be real, he, he's not just a DJ, he's an attraction, you know? He, oh, sure. Yeah, he's a whole he's a hype, And, he's a, and yeah. he's a hype man as well. He knows how to hype the crowd so he can get out in front. And does he do mic work? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. I get on the mic. <laughs> yeah, he loves the mic. Do you miss radio? You said you've been out of radio for a while, correct? Well, I'm actually back on the radio now. I do you are a, on the radio I, I do a mix show every Friday and Saturday night. Awesome. I, I heard this radio station on the air, and I wasn't in radio for the last five, seven years. And I just was like, I do mobile gigs, you know, I do this AvoCare. I, you know, I still make some money. I'm not getting rich, but I'm living. And I said, you know, I want to get back on the radio. And an urban station came on the radio. Sorry about my buzzing phone. Uh, and I was like, this is a really awesome, like, throwback 90s R&B radio station, like where I started. Um I'm going to call him and I'm going to check on the radio. You know, and I, I called and no one answered. I called. I, I pretended like I was a sale, like I was a business trying to, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, we want to buy some advertising from you guys, you know. <laughs> no callbacks, no nothing. Savage LLC. Nothing. <laughs> uh, and then so I just I looked up their um, license online, you know, where they were out of. And I said, oh, they're, oh, they're in Office Central. So I just drove out there. I walked into a building and it was just like some older lady she was just sitting there like and it was like a like a nursing school or something i walk in there and she's like yes i'm like yeah i'm just here about the radio station she's like well, what do you want to know i'm like you guys need my help you know and they're like what do you mean i'm like you guys need my help you guys you know it just sounds you know you sound like you need some help you know <laughs> she's just looking at me like what and i go well here's my background this is what i do i want to help you guys and i left and i got a call back and i got an interview and i got hired at the radio station so, wow, uh, that's so amazing! I, yeah, so I I started helping them some things, and um, uh, I was on the air. But I think they felt like they were like, well, we have a mix show on the weekend, and I'd ra we'd rather put you on the air on the mix show. You're a little more hype. You're a little bit more, you know, up. And I'm like, okay. So they had a uh, a pre-programmed mix, like uh, the like a hot mix, you know, like it's a pre-done yeah. cool jams or something. And uh, you know it's all right, it's all right. But the the PD was like, you know, I really don't like. I was emceeing it, so I just basically would listen to the mixes. It, you know, you'd have a time when you could talk, and you'd just be like, "Hey, what's up? It's Saturday night." Yeah. You know, <laughs> pre-record it, send it to the station. I just do it during the day, super easy. You know, no big deal. And so I was on Friday and Saturday nights doing that, and I just made a mention. Um, hey guys, I mean, this isn't the best. You know, it's not the best. We could probably do a little better. It's a little old. You know. Little, I'd like to hear more 90s and 2000s and stuff. And I'm like, well, we're going to look for a DJ. Would you help us find a DJ? So I, I was like taking demos for DJs because I was just going to MC. And then I was getting frustrated with everything I was hearing. And the, the assistant boss goes, Brian, why don't you just do a mix? I'm like, ah. all right. And so I put a mix together, and they, she didn't tell the, the owners who it was when they gave it to me. I was working for them. And they were like, Oh, we love it. Let, let's do this. And they're like, well, it's Brian. And they're awesome. like, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. So now I just do the I do the Friday and Saturday nights. Now I, I MC the Friday nights and I have a guest DJ. His name's DJ Fresh. 
and I don't even know where he's at, but he sends his stuff in, and I, I just MC over his stuff, and then Saturday nights I put a four-hour mix together, which, you know, by the way, does take about six hours. It's not, you know, it's not as simple as everyone thinks. You gotta, yeah. you gotta record everything, you know, you gotta stop, mix after 25 minutes, you know, you gotta start your next one, and you know, hopefully you don't have any mistakes. You know what I mean? In that 25 minutes, you do, know? do you script it or do you have to like, do you ad lib it or how's that? Work? I freestyle everything, man. Yeah, I've been that game my whole life. I have never put together a set, and I'm, you know what? Could That's you give us like an, it from. an example if, segment, like, or is that putting you on the putting you on the spot? Uh, <laughs> on the spot so I'd be like um, you know 107.5 jams Saturday night it's your boy B-Dog we just jamming the night you got something you want to hear 963-8383 for the 239 we'll get you in tonight of course got the jams all night long got some R. Kelly for you right now it's a Saturday night hot mix 107.5 jams all right. something like that yeah you know? yeah okay you know <laughs> so it's awesome cool. it may be a little bit better you know when I'm listening to the music and I'm flowing but oh yeah um, sure sure you know it's uh that's it's just it's fun. like i hear you're funny tell me a joke <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh and 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 for the mix shows are different you know you're not being like you know uh you know z93 it's 45 minutes past the hour you know <laughs> 15 minutes before the top of the hour 75 degrees your chance to win coming up it's not like, you know you're not really doing that did you have di- different radio personalities or voices for sure for probably for- the format probably i did I-, I probably do it in life too like if i hang around People were Latin. I probably start sounding Latin. If I run black people, I start probably sounding black. If I run Italians, <laughs> I probably start sounding Italian. I don't, not purposely, but I bet I would. I like to imitate voices. I don't know. You know, you'd I be that guy that like moves to Australia for a year and comes back come with back. an accent. No, I, I wouldn't do it though. Probably to fake it. You know, like I, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? No, I don't know. Just uh, no. I, I mean, it just I think, infuses. I think I was always a little bit in the beginning. I was just terrible and pukey. You know, like you know, Z ninety three. You know, hey, come up, you know, you're Z93. You know, just like <laughs> corny, you know, and like everything. And then I think uh, working at Urban Radio Help, I, I had a program director who said, uh, Brian, and, he, and I go, yeah, he goes, Doosh, he turned the lights off on me. Now do your break, chill out. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> so that's when I learned to be a little bit more like, you know, you're 92. You know, trying to be a little bit more smooth. Really so I, I probably did a lo- little more of that voice when I was at our urban station. I worked at a country station for a while, and I think I probably was a little bit more like, you know, hey, y'all coming up. You know, just you just try to f- assimilate a little bit. Know your audience. You want to keep your job, you know, yeah. right? Um, so I think may have been the case. I think now I'm just me. When I, I, I'm totally in my zone when I go on. I'm just having fun I just open the mic and I, I get silly you know I, I rhyme a little bit that's the job you want you right know. like where you're you're completely comfortable and it's like because it, that's when it stops feeling like I don't want to speak for you but that's when it stops feeling like work right is yeah. when you're just like I'm hanging out and I'm talking into this microphone and this is what we'd be talking about anyway it's kind of like this show you know it's really podcasting probably made that happen because you can talk freely. Yeah, it made it happen it, for a lot of people. It made it happen, and, and really even the radio host, everyone else, everyone kind of had to be more of a little bit more of a regular talker and relatable uh, when they speak. Um, but, you know, again, you know, know your audience. You know, if you're in a club, you know, you know, uh, you know just keep your hands in the air. You know, you got you to gotta be the right uh, pitch, the right tone. You know, you don't want to sound, you don't want to be like, Everybody, put your hands in the air. You know, you just, you, gotta, you know, you, we're gonna bring this up to a ten right now. Yeah, you guys, you guys ready to get lit? <laughs> um, so oh, you know, because I, I, I like to play all those roles, man. I like to be in the club, and uh, you know, 
just the ladies, you know, it'll be you, you know, and having fun. Some of that's just energy level, though, right? Like sitting in a closet versus sitting in a room full of it's 200 energy. people or whatever. It's knowing when to do it. Um, you know, as you know, it's kind of like, you know, you do it a little bit in the drop. You know what I mean? You Or right before the, you know, the post when they start singing. You want to, you don't want to be like, you know, you know, put your hands in the air, you know, make some noise. And then, boom, it's hidden before they get a chance to go, ah, you know, you want to make it so they go, ah. Or dead boom, silence. You know, you just, yeah, you just wanted to be able to, to hit or you don't want to be touring the screen. Oh, like, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't sound good. So, you know, you're, know you when to hit it, uh, but just have fun with it. Um, on the radio now, like on the weekend mix show, it's just kind of being a little bit smooth, cool, you know, a little rhyming and timing and mixed with clown. A little clown and exactly just having fun pretty cool and you have hustled your way into being a well-rounded dj and i think our uh, audience is really going to uh, appreciate your story man thanks so much for coming hey, on the show so glad I came. tony thanks for bringing me absolutely i feel a little self-serving <laughs> like talking about myself all the time but i guess that's, that's what i'm here for buddy thank you guys so much keep on spinning this has been the passionate dj podcast